I want to give you uh, some choices this morning, some, maybe some difficult choices. It's going to take a little audience participation even, and uh, hopefully this will not cause any feuds in the next few seconds. Um, but sometimes we have some tough choices to make, uh, and life throws us uh, some difficult ones. And uh, so I'm going to give you a couple of examples. Uh, Shipley's Donuts or Krispy Kreme? How many would say Shipley's? How many have experienced firsthand a hot and pure Krispy Kreme donuts? I see those hands, brothers and sisters. Amen. Next, how about if you had a choice right now, you have a free vacation to the, to the beach or to the mountains, where would you go? I'm going to have to go with mountains on that one. Uh, How about this one? The best fajitas in town are where? This may be the hardest one we have. I, for for beef fajitas, Lupe's, okay? Yeah. But Papacitos, when they make those tortillas in front of you and the guacamole, yes, yummy. All right, how about this one? Is there, is there a Michael Kreider in the house today? All right, just checking. Uh, how about this one? Spring or fall? Fall. Fall? You don't even know what fall is. How do you know? You've only seen pictures on the internet. All right, how about this one? How about this one? The next one, maybe? What? It's a who? Oh, a delay, a delay, all right. Okay, well, I'll have to think of them. We'll see. Oh, there we go. Jimmy, Fallon or Kimmel? I think that's a no-brainer, too. Fallon is uh, definitely, uh, I think, funnier guy. All right, this is a really... For those who don't know... One of these people is Taylor Swift, and another one is Beyonce, and both put songs in your head that you cannot get out forever. All right, it's a tough one. All right, how about this one? If you had a date night, would you rather, would you rather go to a concert or to dinner in a movie? Dinner. I'm going to go with dinner in a movie on that one. All right. By far, this is the easiest one, all right? It's Apple, all right? It's Apple, all right? Now we're going to, we're going to, oh, I forgot about this one. Another easy one, another easy one. That's Star Wars, by far, come on. Uh, can, you, can you do this, by the way? Can, can anyone? There we go. That's good practice, good exercise this morning for us in church. All right, now here we're going to take it to the next level. Here's some tough questions. These are called would you rather questions. They're great for students. Like for trips, we've gone through these several times. Not these, but some other ones are good conversation starters. How about this one? Would you rather say every word that comes to your mind or never be able to speak again? Hmm. It's a tough one. 
Now, you might have an answer for your spouse or your friend, but what would you choose there, okay? All right, how about this one? Never listen to music again or never watch TV again. Mm, I'm going to have to go with the, the music on that one. It's hard. Sports. Sports, all right? Uh, what about this one? Be the smartest kid in school or the most popular kid in school? There is a right answer to this, okay, on that one. Turn to your parents if you need that right answer, all right? Would you rather live for a year in your car or live for a year in jail? Ooh, this is, a, this is you're getting your thinking cap on here, what that, what that looks like. All right, how about this one? Would you have to shout everything that you say or have to whisper everything that you say? Do you know anybody that sends emails in all caps all the time? This is for them right here. All right. Would you rather have the best house in a rundown neighborhood or the worst house in a great neighborhood? My realtor tells me that it's good that I have the worst house. Uh, all right, how about this one? Have the ability to read minds or the ability to fly? Flying would be pretty cool. <laughs> fly, yeah. All right, I'm not sure. If we're, oh, we got another one. Have to wear a suit all day, every day, or wear pajamas all day, every day. Everywhere? Everywhere. Think about that. Everywhere pajamas. All right. How about be fluent in every language or master of every instrument? I went with the language on that one. I thought that would be really cool to just be able to, you just look smart if you know all these languages too. All right. Lots of choices there. Uh, Maybe uh, some of them kind of thought-provoking today, and you can leave with thinking, or maybe you want to, as you're sitting there today, just jot down a really difficult would-you-rather as we go. We're in this series called Beneath the Surface, Thus the Icebergs uh, All Around Us, and uh, it's all about the book of James, and, and James is teaching us in the last few weeks of, of what looks, looks like underneath the surface, uh, even looking into our hearts. And so today we're in the book of James, in James chapter 3, and he has a choice for us. And uh, he wants to lay it out there for us. He's saying, he's talking, first of all, to churches or people that are scattered around the region. These are Christians that are new Christians, that they have come to know Jesus. And he says, hey, you've got a choice to make. And it is a this or a that. And you've got to make this choice. And if you've got a header in your Bible, over the header of this section, it says two kinds of wisdom. There's two kinds of wisdom that he wants to tell us about today. And it starts off in James 3.13, and he describes this, these two different kinds of wisdom. And he says this, first of all, let me get your mind rolling here as he goes. He said, who is wise and understanding among you? Who is someone that's wise and understanding among you? As we try to decide on these two kinds of wisdom, and I'll just tell you, it's worldly wisdom or heavenly wisdom, kingdom wisdom or the wisdom of this age. And so who's wise and understanding among you, he asked. Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. Let me ask you this. When you were a kid, maybe you dressed up like this, who did you want to be when you grew up? What did you want to be when you grew up? 
Was there a something that's there? Tell your neighbor real quick, who did you want to be when, when you grew up as a kid? Was it an astronaut? Was it a baseball player? All right. You probably went through phases. All right, so I definitely uh, wanted to be a superhero at one point because of Underoos. I don't know if you remember Underoos. They were pretty awesome. You could dress like uh, superheroes. There was also a time that I wanted to be Dale Murphy, the baseball player, if you know who Dale Murphy is. Played for the Braves in the, in the 80s. I also really wanted to be Indiana Jones. Uh, he was very cool. Uh, Indiana Jones, the whip, the, the hat, the, uh, he was smart, and he was also into like kind of religious artifacts uh, throughout these movies. And I loved the books that were choose-your-own-adventure books. Do you remember those? You get to choose a direction in the book to go, and, and different choices there. So, so who are your, your, as you think about our role models then, who are your role models now? Like, who are the people in your life right now that you go, man, I want to be like that person? It doesn't have to be someone actually you know in person, but who's someone that you go, man, that's someone I'd like to be like, or a person that I would like to, my life to, to emulate or, or look like? Can you think of someone? All right. <laughs> Tay Watt? Ponder that. Write it down maybe as we go. Uh, these are, this is kind of an interactive day. Well, James, for James, he says this. All right, there's wisdom. As we talk about wisdom, there's wisdom intelligence that people think of intelligence. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about practical wisdom, wisdom that's lived out. In fact, if James was someone that lived in the United States, I've said this before, he would live in the state of Missouri, the show me state, uh, because James believes, anybody from Missouri in the house today? Woohoo! in the back. Um... It's the show me state, which I've always wondered why that was. And we talked about this a few months ago. There was this great quote. This is where it comes from. This is where the, the, the state's name, the little theme comes from. A man named William Duncan Van, Van Diver. Van Diver? I think that's it. Van Diver. He said this one day. I come from a state that raises corn and cotton and cockleburrs and Democrats and frothy eloquence neither convinces me nor satisfies me. I am from Missouri. You have to that's when you say the, the next part. Show me. Yeah. Uh, show me. You have to show me. And James is saying this. You can be wise uh, verbally, but that's not real wisdom. Wisdom, what we're talking about, is a life that's lived out. A life that's lived out in a way that reflects wisdom uh, in, your, in your life that's there. So what does this wisdom look like? He mentions this phrase there, and, it, and it's been on my mind. I wanted it to get in your mind. He says this. Let them show it by their good life. They're good. So apparently, there's a few songs that have that phrase in it, okay? That is by the group. There you go, Tiffany. Uh, One Republic, exactly. There's a couple other songs that have that. Lecrae has a song, The Good Life. Audio Adrenaline has a song about the good life. What does this good life look like? Now, we're, that song can get in your mind, by the way, if you go and look it up, the good life. You maybe have heard that one before. So what does the good life look like? What does a good life look like? Hmm? Now, sometimes, uh, as, a, as a parent, things happen that's very cool. Uh, your kids get toys that you like to play with. Um, 
this would be one of them. Uh, Noah got this uh, for his birthday a little, little few years back. Um, it's a very cool uh, bow and arrow, and uh, you just stick it. This is not like uh, the bow and arrows from the 80s when I grew up. It is some serious action here. I need a, I need a volunteer. Uh, no? <laughs> what? Uh, I, I think we... I think it's going to be a little, this actually is really hard to pull back, and it's, Sawyer, can you help us? You're, no, 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 no. It's going to help. <laughs> it's also sound effects Sunday, too. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, there's a target up there. Yes. Did you notice that coming in? Good. You're there with, you want me to show you something that's going to really mess with your mind forever? I never noticed this since, I know a lot of you have noticed this before. But look at that door, and look at that door. Do you see a difference? There is like two foot of wall right there that's not over there. And you didn't think you were going to learn anything today. You thought you had it all figured out. Um, All right. No, I think you got this. I'm going to give you, I'm going to see how good your aim is this morning, okay? I'm going to give you one shot. This is the Bob Barker putt before you putt it. Oh, it's short. All right, so you're going to need a little bit longer than that, so you have to pull it back away. Let's see how good your aim is. You can do it any way that you would like. I'm sorry for those in this section over here. Oh, that was really good. I'm going to give you one more chance. I'm going to give you one more chance because... Should we go this direction this time? We'll go this way. Aim higher, they're telling us. Aim higher. It's not a hole in one, but it's a hole in two. Don't you watch the prices right? The hole in two, the butt. Oh! Good grief, man. What did you eat? I'm gonna, thank you. I'm going to take that back before it gets... <laughs> did you just kiss your bicep? That's great. So what we're getting at this morning, how good is your aim? How good is your aim? There's this guy uh, named James K.A. Smith, and he wrote this book uh, about the kingdom of God. It's called Desiring the Kingdom. And what he says is this. He uses this illustration of a target. Now, ladies, this is not a subliminal message. You do not need to stop on your way home um, anywhere. But he says, he, he gives a picture of the target, and the target for us is a picture of what the good life is. Whatever is in your heart, what does the good life look like? What is the life that you want? Man, a picture of what this good life that, 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 that I want, that I desire, that I'm after. And what he tells us is this. I think that I, do I have one left? Nope. Um, Mr. Joel, can you throw me that arrow? Um, he tells us this, that that everybody in their hearts and in their minds, they have a picture, thank you, sir, of the good life. And he says this, a vision of the good life captures our hearts and our imaginations, not by providing a set of rules or ideas, but by painting a picture of what it looks like for us to flourish and to live well. It's not primarily our minds that are captivated, but rather our imaginations that are captured. And when our imagination is hooked, we're hooked. And so he gives us, he says, we all have this picture. We all have a picture of what the good life looks like. And our lives are pointed the direction of the good life, seeking what our imagination has shown us. This is what we want. This is what we're driving toward. This is where we're, we're going. 
So how good's your, your aim? He keeps on going. And I think in, in this book of James, not just the author James, but the James is writing the letter to us, is this. What you determine to be wisdom as you decide this choice between godly wisdom and wisdom of the world, it all depends on what you envision to be the good life. What does the, the good life look like to you? And so he begins to describe to us what this good life looks like, the kingdom good life. In James chapter 3, verse 17, take a look at this verse. He says this, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, he's describing what the kingdom good life looks like. It's pure. It's peace-loving. Just think about that. A lover of peace. Not tension, not chaos, but peace. The kingdom good life is considerate, submissive. It's full of mercy and good fruit. Now, good fruit. When we think of fruit, what do we think of in the Bible? Fruit of the Spirit, maybe love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, gentleness. This is what the kingdom good life looks like. He keeps going. He says it's impartial, sincere, it's authentic. Don't you love it when you talk to people that are just real? And there's no motive there. It's just pure heart. They're just, you, you get what you get. You, you are transparent. There's, there's no lies or deception. It's just, it's pure. It's, it's about others. It's sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Now, at the center of this whole kingdom life is this word humility. He says at the very beginning, it's a life lived in humility. And then we see pictures of this good life. We see pictures of the kingdom all the time. Sometimes they kind of sneak up on us. Sometimes we see it in other people. Sometimes we even see it in the news. I saw it, I don't know if it was last week or this week, a woman by the name of Catherine. She works at a coffee shop near Elon University in North Carolina. I actually never heard of Elon University. She works there, and she just loves on college kids uh, in the area. And these two girls that were a part of the university, they just, just loved her and we're so thankful for her and just saw just such a, a cool woman and they wanted to be a blessing to her. And so they started this GoFundMe account. And as they just end through conversation, just hearing the dream of wanting to take her grandkids to Disney World. Yeah. And so what do they do? They help her do that. They give. They get their friends to give. They thought, well, uh, we can come up with 6,000 people or friends. We probably each have that on Facebook. If they each give $1, then we can send Catherine and her grandkid to Disney World. And that's what they did. That's what the kingdom of God looks like. That's, that's the good life. That's the good life. Now, there's another side. He says there's two choices here. There's a worldly view of the good life. And he begins to describe that to us. And he gives us different pictures of, of what that narrative looks like. And at the center of that, the word is, honestly, it's selfish ambition. It's envy. Those are the two big words that he uses, selfish ambition. Self is the center of the world's view of wisdom and what the wisdom of the, the good life looks like there. Some phrases that we use and we think about, and maybe you've heard before, you got to look out for number one. Hey, you got to do what makes you happy. Pursue and do what makes you happy. Happy. 
It's what the, the, the world's wisdom says. Hey, it's survival of the fittest. I mean, you got to do whatever you have to do to survive. You hear what I'm saying? And it's this world full of, of me and self, and we see these pictures. We see it everywhere. And, and the world tells us this, that we need to pursue things that make us happy, that make us feel good. If they make me feel good, then they're right, that they're good. It's a pursuit of pleasure. It's a pursuit of stuff. And we see that at every turn around the world. That's the wisdom of the world. Now, as I've thought about this and I look around, here's a question that's on kind of, it's a simple question, but it's a question that's been on my mind as I've looked and, and talked to some friends that are kind of following the, the wisdom of the world. How's that working for you? Really? How is that working for you? Pursuing stuff, pursuing pleasure for you. Because what I find is that on the outside, things tend to look okay, good, great. But on the inside, there's emptiness, there's pain, there's chaos, there's a lack of peace, there's a lack of purity, there's a lack of consideration. It's a world full of me, and it comes crashing in. That's the irony. Pursue my pleasure Pursue my stuff, my things, and I feel alone and empty with nothing. That's the irony of the whole situation of pursuing the way of the world. I got this phone call uh, from someone a while back, and uh, someone that I hadn't talked to in a while, so I was a little surprised to get the phone call, and just pleading on the phone, can we meet? Can we meet now? When somebody says, to a pastor, oh, I need to meet now. That means, okay, look, whatever is going on, this is, it's got to be pretty important. We meet at a random location. And on a, I think it was about 9 a.m. on a Saturday, just a few sentences into this conversation, this gentleman is just breaking down crying in public. And he's talking about just the destruction of his, of his marriage and how things have just crashed and fall, fallen apart. And as he gets deeper into some of the, the hurt and the pain that's there, it's like, I just don't, he said this, I just don't understand it. We're making more money than we've ever made. We've got jobs that, that we never thought we would have. Things got to be a little complicated, and then we started to have some tension. We bought our dream house, the house that, that she wanted. I bought her a new car, the car that she always wanted to have, that she dreamed of having. Why are things so messed up? Why did she leave? The wisdom of the world, it doesn't work. And what does James tell us? What, what happens when we do that? It leads to disorder of every kind. As we look at, continue as he writes, it leads to, to all kinds of evil. It leads to the lying and deception and adultery and theft. That's what the wisdom of the world, if you follow that, that's where it's going to take you. So the next question is this. He even kind of expands on this argument for us as we're trying to make this decision in the people. What causes fights? and quarrels among you. What, what causes fights with people? You don't, you don't have something. You envy, and you want it from someone else. You want either their life, or their stuff, or their whatever, and the tension begins to rise. And then, and then there's a question that I've been thinking about in this passage. It's, is it possible that people think that they're aiming for the kingdom, but really... They're pointed another direction. They think that God is, is the focus of their life, but 
quite honestly, I, I think they're choosing another way. And James talks about that. You, you do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives. You, that you may spend what you get on your pleasure. Now, here's the part I didn't mention in the beginning. The arrow, your life, is pointing toward your, the, your vision of the good life, but that arrow is directed by your heart. That's what's beneath the surface. Your heart is directing the direction of your life and which way you think really wisdom really is. It's not about just words. It's about actions that are provoked by the heart. So he's describing these, these t- types of wisdom, and he keeps going in, in 4 and 5 and, and, and chapter 4, and he says this, listen, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means an enemy with, against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an, an enemy of God. Now, here's what I found. Uh, you might not know this, but I played golf in college. Uh, that does not mean I'm a good golfer in any way. Uh, Trevecca had a, a first-year program, and I was like the last guy on a seven-man team, and they just were looking for warm bodies, and I happened to be one of those, uh, which means I got lots of free golf and a couple shirts that had Trevecca and my name on it, uh, which was great. But uh, got to play a lot my senior year in college. Uh, well, when I play golf now these days with random people, uh, they think because I played golf in college one year, warm body, that's all I am, uh, that I know something about golf, which I barely know how to make contact with the ball at times. Uh, so they'll ask me, what do you see? What's going, what's up? What's going wrong? And uh, a lot of times there's a very simple fix with golf, okay? Here it is. Uh, and I'm just sharing, this is just wisdom from a, you know, college collegiate athlete, okay? Um, people ask, why am I hitting it at the house over there, why am I hitting at the tree over there? Why am I the the fairway is this way? The every I mean, that's the opposite direction. The water is over here, and I keep hitting it in that water. Why am I doing it? All right, here's a simple. You're aimed that way. <laughs> you're aimed that way. You don't realize that you think that you're aimed this way, but slowly you've adjusted, and most of the time it's with your feet, okay, and you're aimed slightly off. Something has pulled you off, and you didn't even realize it's very subtle with most people. And before you know it, literally, their feet, you look at their feet, and they're, they're going this direction. They've been kind of pulled that way. And you're like, what? And that's why you always see golfers who are like, okay, we're trying to line up. Or do, you're, you're out of alignment. I wonder if we ever get out of alignment. And I think that's what James is, is trying to get at the heart out here. What's pulling you toward the world? What's pulling you another direction? The picture that I showed you actually a few months back, it's been on my mind for a while. Ohio State, unfortunately or fortunately, if you're from Ohio, if you are, please don't raise your hand this morning, uh, is this one right here. Ohio State won the national championship last year, and uh, they beat Alabama in the process in the semifinals. And uh, this is a player from Ohio State, and uh, they just won. You can see the confetti's coming down. There's a huge celebration that's happening. And this uh, gentleman is actually the quarterback that was starting just a few games before, and he got, and he got hurt. And he didn't have any part of, the, part of the game. He didn't have his shoulder pads on, you can tell. 
And you can just read what's happening here. This picture tells the tale. It should have been me. It should have been me. I should be the one they're carrying off the field. I should be the one that they're, they're, they're celebrating today. My name should be the one in the newspaper tomorrow. It should have been me. So I thought about that picture. Initially, I thought, man, there's a lot of people that are like that. <laughs> you know, There are a lot of people that are you know, just, you know, can't celebrate what God's doing. It, it's all about them. They, they want their name. They want recognition. They want this, this selfish ambition is kind of pulling them. But the more I think about that picture, I've been that person before. I've been that person before. I don't know about you, but that, that feeling of, of self, wanting self-recognition, being pulled that direction, and we're pulled all the time. It's all about us. In fact, there are commercials that are constantly trying. There's about 1970s. There are about 500 commercials you saw a day if you were in the 70s. Right now, it's about 5,000 commercials that you see every day, and they are pulling you toward the world's wisdom. They're, they're just slowly trying to yank you this direction a little further and a little further, and it's all about you. It's all about stuff. It's all about buying things. Let me give you one quick example that you might not even know. Here, how about this commercial right, right here? Listen to the song. Find your own great ending at the Summer Clearance Center. Now in Honda. Voted most trusted car brand by KBB.com. You will have the good life if you have a Honda. Okay? That's the good life. Stuff. Buy something else. Okay? Buy something else. It's consumerism. It's you. This will make, if only you had this, it will make you happy. If only you felt this, it would make you happy. And it keeps pulling you, and it pulls all of us that direction. So how can we figure out where we're aimed today? A couple of things for you, and then we're going to go to the Lord's table. Maybe the question we need to ask is why. The why of our heart. There was a guy, and his name was Samuel Pierpot. Langley. I don't know if you've ever heard of him before, but Samuel Pierpont Langley uh, was in a little bit of a competition, and uh, he was in a competition with these two boys named the Wright Brothers, okay, and they were trying to be the first to fly a plane, and the Wright Brothers were just known for just the love. They wanted so badly for flight to happen and to be a part of that dream and that vision of what that could be for, for everyone. In fact, they said they would go out into the field with set four or five sets of part, airplane parts because they knew they were going to just keep crashing and they would keep fixing and keep crashing, keep fixing. Samuel, on the other hand, was in it for another reason. He was all about the money. If I can be the one, if I can be the one that has my name and lights, can be the person that causes us all to be able to fly, to be able to, like we do today. What will happen? What will that mean for my bank account? What will that mean for power, for, all kind, for glory? They're in this massive competition. Samuel has all the money on his side. He has the backers of commercial business, but he doesn't have the right why. And who wins the race? Who, who actually flew first? The Wright brothers. We know they did. Do we know, have you ever heard of Samuel? No, because the day that they flew, the day that that, that happened, they took off, 
he quit. He stopped. Why? Because his heart wasn't, wasn't there. It was all about him in the first place. What's the why? Why do you do what you do? Is it for your glory or for his glory? There's something else that, that kind of indicates where we're aiming at, too. It's the choices. Remember back at the very beginning, we made a lot of choices? What choices do you make every single day? They are a reflection of where your heart is aimed. Where do you spend your time? Where do you spend, what are you investing in? Who are you investing in? What are you doing with your life? As you're investing all kinds of things every single day, the choices reflect where you're aimed at right now. There's something, uh, students, that, uh, that concerns me for you today. You don't mind if I talk to students, just one or two minutes here. In the next few years, statistics tell us that most of you, the majority of you, are no longer going to be in the church. That your heart is going to be swayed another direction and follow another form of wisdom, and the good life is going to begin to change, and that you're going to leave the church. Now, hopeful, like many stories in this room, that eventually, maybe through, through a child, you'll come back to the church. But statistics tell us in the next probably 10 or 15 years, you're going to be gone. And we just hope to get you back, is what some say. But here's the problem and the thing that I want you to think about today. And maybe we can think about this today. Some of the major choices of your life are going to be made in the next 10 years. I was with a friend the other day, and I said this. Let me tell you, other than, than... the decision to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the decision of who you marry is the biggest decision you're going to make in your life. You're also going to decide what you do with your life, where to go to school, where to live, these big choices, and they're all going to be decided. And they're going to be, the way that you decide these things are going to be where is your heart aimed? What is important to you? What is the vision of the good life? And what I've found is this that there are some folks that I've been meeting with for the last 10 or 15 years, and they say this, my heart, when I made those decisions, they were aimed the wrong direction. And now I'm come back to, to faith, and, and there's this tension between me and my spouse because my heart is toward the kingdom, and their heart is away from the kingdom. Or there's this tension because both of our hearts were aimed that direction, and we don't know what to do. Or maybe there's a conversation I've had like this. Man, I wish... I wish I was aimed this direction when I was deciding what I was going to do because now I feel like I'm just a slave to my job and I don't do anything that matters and it's not missional and it's not helping others and I wish I could go back. And so today I hope and I pray. Of course we want you to stay in the church, but I hope that your, your heart is set on the kingdom and that you will continue to foster that in the next few years. I hope that's your prayer today. What stories, what choices are we making? What are we fostering our heart? What are we, stories are we telling our, our heart to put us in the right direction? And maybe we need to get back to the first question, which is this. Who are we trying to be like? Who are you trying to be like? There's this guy, and his name was Jesus. And he gives us the perfect example. He is an example that is from the very, when, when he came on this earth, his heart and his mission and his vision was the kingdom of God. And there's a passage of scripture that I want us to read today. We're going to get ready to go to the table. Uh, Garen is going to come and, and the worship band as well. And I want you to read this scripture with me as they're, they're coming. 
It's Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 and 11. Sometimes we get a little off when we read a lot of scripture, so how about I read it out loud and you just kind of mouth it uh, and uh, just think about it as we're reading it together. And, And here's what Paul says. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. So today, we take some elements, some things that we hold in our hands, and I'm going to ask some students to come. I've asked some to service this morning. Here is an example, a person that showed us what it looks like to aim for the, the right good life, the kingdom, that our hearts will be aimed in the right direction. He gave us an example of someone that loved so much who was so pure of heart, so sincere, so considerate of others, that he gave his life for you. God himself came down to this earth so that you could be full of mercy. You can experience grace firsthand, and you can give grace firsthand. You can be a kingdom-minded person. So this morning, as we get ready to go to the table, I just want to invite you to just take a few minutes before you come. Just say, Lord, where's my heart aimed today? What direction am I going? Who am I trying to be like? Is my heart pure? Are my eyes set in the right direction? I want to seek first the kingdom of God. And then what? All these things will be added to you. Aim first for the kingdom today. So as we go to the table, we're reminded that on the night that our Lord was betrayed, just hours before he would go to a cross, He gathered with his disciples. He got around a table and he took a piece of bread and he said, this is my body that was broken for you. Then he took a cup and he said, this is my blood that will will shed for you. He said, take this and do this in remembrance of me. So today we come to the table. In our church, you don't have to be a member of our church. You just have to be a believer in grace. And you can laugh too, it's okay. Jesus laughed. 
we celebrate. That's a reminder for us. When we come to the table today, we come with joy in our hearts, right? We come with joy in our hearts because we have been forgiven. And at one time, we were pointed one direction. And now we've done a 180. And we're pointing another direction, right? So you come to the table, you take a piece of bread, you break it off, you dip it in the cup, and you remember today. And you look to Jesus. Let's come to the table. Let's worship him. Let's remember. him that's who I am and you're loved by him and that's who you are isn't that a great song and a great truth to know today a a chorus that we sang earlier was I'm wide awake drawing close stirred by grace and I was thinking about that what it means to be wide awake and I think maybe that's some of the reason why we lack wisdom sometimes because we're not wide awake We don't wake up knowing what our goal is for that day. We don't remember what we're here for that day. We don't remember that, oh yeah, today is a day that I'm going to serve and love Jesus with my whole heart. We we remember things like we have to go to the grocery store or we have to pick up the kids at three or whatever, but we don't become wide awake with the knowledge and the grace of Jesus Christ. And so as you go this week, I challenge you to be wide awake in Jesus. Go in peace.